Well, guys, I had all the hope in the world of bringing some Hanukkah and Christmas positive energy into the podcast here tonight. That is not where we are in the world of the Chicago Cubs right now. Welcome into Behind the Yellow Line 92. Guys, we got to 92 of these podcasts. We are recording this the night of December 15, and it's been a week since the last time we've all talked, and it feels like this everything with the Cubs organization is falling apart right now. We were so excited last week. Cody Bellinger's a Cub. Jamison Tyon, right? We're addressing the starting rotation, and everything that's happened in the last seven days, it's like, what the hell is going on with the Cubs right now? Just about everything we had hoped for on the previous edition, everything we were optimistic about, everything we were hoping for has gone in completely the other direction. It's been a very, very deflating week of free agency. Definitely. I mean, we were all hoping for that Christmas cheer, those gifts coming, as Ronan mentioned. He's wearing the the, the hat, the Cubs Santa hat for us right mm-hmm. now. But we, I mean, we still got it like oh, 10 days left, but uh, it's not it's not looking good right now, unfortunately. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's a pretty tough place to be in as a Cubs fan. Like, you know, you were you were expecting you were kind of hoping and to not have it come true so far is uh, it's pretty it's pretty rough. Yeah. There's still options for the Cubs. We'll explore that a little bit. They did make a move today to address the bullpen. Pretty interesting reliever actually coming in. I'm excited about that, but it's sort of deflating. I guess they went out and got a quality player today in Brad Boxberger, but that's all that's happened in the last week. And in that time, multiple targets that we said, okay, the Cubs should be in on, whether it's Carlos Rodon, Carlos Correa, Christian Vazquez, Sean Murphy, they've all gone elsewhere. And now it's like, okay, where do the Cubs even go from here? It's really not where we want to be tonight on December 15th. We as Cubs fans are very hungry for good news, and one box of burgers is not going to cover it. No, Randall needs at least two. At least two. (laughs) At least two. Starting off hot on the top of the pod with the the puns already coming out. Yeah. Well, the other big question I think that we've got to answer tonight, um, Randall's going to love the way I word this too, who do you finger for the blame here? right? Is this a Jed Hoyer problem? Is this a Tom Ricketts problem? Is this a Crane Kenny problem? I'm going to blame him for some things here in a little bit, but either way, we're all feeling sort of on the outside looking in. And I want to start with this, of all of the big moves that have happened in the last week, again, Correa to the Giants, Rodon uh, to the New York Yankees, Senga goes to the Mets, Vasquez to Minnesota, Murphy part of a three-team trade. Is it the obvious thing here, the big miss is Correa? Or is there somebody else in this mix that's like, they should have done that deal. That guy should be a Cub. No, my 1A is Correa. He plays elite at a premium position of need. You didn't need to argue against other teams for the best trade offer, whether you're giving up X number of top 10, top 100 prospects. All you had to do was lay out the money. And from what we were told, and I will say this is a a Gordon Wittenmeyer report, and uh, I've made a a long history of not really believing Gordon Wittenmeyer, but according to Gordon Wittenmeyer, the Cubs never got as far as submitting a formal offer. They got as far as submitting parameters and things like that, but they never apparently submitted a years and dollars amount to Carlos Correa. And if that's the case, what are we doing? here how can you not talk to how can you not submit a formal offer to the best player on the market at the position where you have a need to whatever extent we believe that to be true i just don't know what the cubs are doing here yeah for correa i mean obviously correa being the top guy in the market you know that one hurts to not get because i i never understood i never really like to me as i said last week like the cubs should be the top guy on correa it makes the most sense i thought it last year i think it this year it's like a 27 year old last year 28 year old 
prime shortstop. Like, what are what more could you want? But there was always like this nagging thought in the back of my head, like knowing that the Cubs they they might not go that extra mile to do it. So for me, the one that kind of actually hurts the most is kind of Christian Vasquez because I always hmm. thought. He'd be a guy. He was kind of perfect for what they wanted to do, stayed to do. He just seemed like it was made sense him coming here. And supposedly they offered basically the same contract. They did offer, I guess, a player option for year four. Or maybe it was, uh, I, I was probably more of a team option. That makes more sense. They offered an option for year four. And he did not. He wanted a three-year deal. But hmm. it seems like he offered a similar, very similar contract, and he chose to go to Minnesota. And for me, that is kind of deflating and kind of disappointing because it also shows that maybe the Cubs aren't a destination for players quite like they were, you know, five, six, seven years ago. And Ronan, I know you weren't as big on Christian Vasquez as maybe Jeremy and I were, but the, the point Jeremy is Jeremy's making a salient point is that it seems like the Cubs were neck and neck with the Twins as far as what they were offering him, and he simply opted not to come to the Cubs. If you can't beat out the Minnesota Twins, nothing against Minneapolis, beautiful city, nothing against Target Field, nice ballpark, but if Cold. you, the Chicago Cubs, cannot beat out the Minnesota Twins for even the, the low-level free agents, something has gone terribly amiss especially when catcher's a priority and you lose one of the faces of the franchise, the St. Louis Cardinals, because you chose not to extend Wilson Contreras. There are multiple other catcher options that are now suddenly off the board. So yeah, Jeremy, I was a little bit like, man, I don't know if I want to go three years, 30 million for Christian Vasquez, but then you see Sean Murphy get traded. William Contreras wouldn't have been bad on the North side. He goes to Milwaukee now. So when the Cubs play the Cardinals or the Brewers, you got a Contreras brother out there giving the Cubs problems. Don't like that. And then we find out a little bit ago, Omar Navarez to the New York Mets, one year, eight million. So it just seems like if the Cubs are going to go out and get a catcher at this point, it either has to be a trade or it's like Tucker Barnhart for a year. I mean, that just, it can't be PJ Higgins as the backup going into next year, right? Like if he's the third guy or the fourth guy on the depth chart, that's not the worst thing in the world. But you can't go into next year with Jan Gomes and P.J. Higgins and say, oh, this is fine. Now, Tucker Barnhart would replicate a lot of what you already have in Jan Gomes, which is a glove first catcher. Barnhart is younger, obviously, but you'd be, you know, your backup and your your starting catcher would basically be very similar players. And it figures to be whoever they do sign figures to be not so much a starter and a backup, but more of a, an equal timeshare. And again, all of the, the decent bat options are for the most part off the board as free agents. The Cubs are going to start singing to Jan Gomes, Contreras to the North of me, Contreras to the South of me and stuck in the middle with you. And oh, it, it's just, it's just not a good situation. The Cubs have seemingly let every decent free agent at the useful positions end up with other teams. And again, whether that's because they haven't ponied up the money or because they just aren't able to, to outsell uh, other teams. Again, it's, it's not good signs. It's not good vibes that we are seeing across the board here. Yeah. The one thing I would say is that I, I think catcher, you know, they obviously need to do something. They're losing Wilson is a huge deal. I, I do think though with Gomes and they do need a backup, but with Gomes, it's not quite as big of a need as say like first base or third base necessarily, or, you know, over there. So if push comes to shove and they have to go into next year with Jan Gomes is like getting the majority. I don't know if it's the worst thing in the world, but I, I agree. Like I, I thought Vasquez was the guy he made sense to me and to not land him. And then to see kind of all the other options, Sean Murphy was always kind of like, okay, that's your one a, you might not get that. I thought the, the, 
you know, the safe option was Vasquez. And then you see Nar- Narvaez go to New York. And to me, though, like he went on such a cheap deal that it's almost like I don't know if the Cubs really did rate him that high. Sure. Um, although, you know, once again, choosing to go to New York over the Cubs right now is seems like a no brainer almost if you're a player. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I just think, I do think they're still going to value kind of a, a glove first catcher. So who knows? I mean, you might see an Austin Hedges out there or, uh, or, uh, or maybe a Jorge Alfaro who had some decent years. Maybe you can hope for a boss back. I don't think you're going to see like Gary Sanchez back there. Who's, you know, not, not a catcher really at all. So, I mean, but they got options. They do. And I do. I like Jan Gomes. And I thought last year, uh, one, he handled the position very well. And two, when he did a bulk of the catching the second half of the year, the pitching staff seemed to respond to that. The worry that I have with Jan Gomes is just his age. He's going to be 35 next year. Or, or Is the expectation he's going to make 120 starts behind the plate at 35? And what happens if he gets hurt? Like, you know, like Peter Higgins, as I said, is a fine three if he's got to come up because one of the catchers is injured, play a little bit of first base, backup catch, that's fine. He should be in Des Moines, though, most of next season. I just I always get worried when you're putting all of your eggs, at least right now, on a 35-year-old backstop because that can go sour very quickly. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. I, I just, for me, uh, and I, I think they need a catcher, it's just, and we're going to probably get into the discussion later, so who knows what the budget is or whatever. But, you know, if you're going to have to – I guess at this point, if you're going to put the priority out there of where do you fill in to me, I kind of feel like, okay, you need a third baseman, you need a first baseman, yeah. maybe some options out there. Maybe right now going into next year with Jan Gomes as your starter isn't the worst – if you're not going to have a huge yeah. upgrade like what Murphy was or Vasquez. You know, there was a point in time in 2014 where the two catchers on the Cubs roster were John Baker and Eli Whiteside. And it just feels like we are one injury away from finding ourselves back in a very similar situation where you've just got two catchers who can hold down the position defensively capably enough, but they're just going to be a complete black hole in the lineup. And, you know, that doesn't maybe sting as much now that you have a DH that you can use, but the Cubs have to get offense from somewhere. They can't afford, they don't have such great hitters at every other position that they can afford to punt on, on the offense from how many positions in the lineup now? And it, it, you know, it just feels like the roster construction is leading us back towards that uh, in the negative. Well, and what I, worries, I, well, just really quickly too, what worries me also about the offense is even some of the positions that are locked up, like left field and right field, which are power positions, neither Ian Happ nor Saya are massive power threats. Guys are going to hit 40 home runs in a season. So if you're not getting significant power from left and right field, you might get some in center field with Cody. You got to get it at third base. You definitely have to get it at first base. You got to get it at DH. And that guy's not on this roster right now. We're all praying for Matt Mervis to figure it out at first base and what a savior he will be if he's the real deal. But what if he's not? And right now it's probably more likely he's not the guy that he was last year in AAA. Yeah, and um, right before I, I I want to address that point as well. But right before I, I will say that, and, and I know he's older, that Jan Gomes has had some decent offensive seasons in his career, so – Maybe there's something left next year. Uh, you know, he's had like five seasons of career of being over 100 OPS plus as a hitter. Um, but, you know, one guy, I don't know if we want to discuss him anymore because he's no longer a Cub. But, like, how are you feeling right now? And I know, Ronan, you're probably pretty negative about it. How are you feeling right now about non-tendering Fran Mel Reyes when you don't really have any options? It's like you're going to have to fill a first base, a third base. Then you're going to have to fill a DH. So, like, you have to keep adding. That was maybe a guy I know he was owed some money that – Okay, maybe you could take a flyer hit. Maybe he brings you some power, even though he had a terrible kind of year last year, had a hot start with the Cubs and faltered. Maybe 
you would have had the option of having, or maybe bring him back now. I mean, he hasn't signed anywhere, so maybe they could find a way to bring him back. I hope not. Randall, <laughs> there you go. You know, I, I don't know that that's the solution. Well, that... I don't know if it's going to be a solution. I'm just saying, like, the Cubs don't really have a lot of options. He would give you something that there might be something there. Yeah, and you know what it feels like as they fill out the rest of the roster, you're going to be dealing with a lot of guys where you're hoping there's something there. You're already there with Bellinger. You know, you're already there with hoping there's something there in Bellinger. It feels like you're going to be penciling a lot of question marks, a lot of hopes and dreams, uh, banking on a rebound or on finding something that hasn't been there at any point as you fill out the rest of this lineup. And again, that's not the spot you want to be in. No, no. Go ahead. No, I'm just saying for me, like, and I'm not saying like I would expect Framil Reyes to have a season next year or even make the, the team on spring training. It's just at least I'm just saying right now there's like what you were mentioning. There's like no power threats. That that's yeah. like the at least the opportunity of having a power threat. I guess like there's something a little bit to it's, it. It's the it's the threat of a threat is what exactly because he up until last year up until he was pretty much a big power threat in his career and. And when you, if you're like releasing him at the start, I mean, I know that's not the right technical term, but releasing him at the start of the offseason, you're hoping to actually bring things in. And now we're yeah. halfway through the offseason and we actually haven't seen that yet. So it's like maybe we could have just held on to him a little bit. I don't know. I just think yeah. I wonder if that's a regret for Jed. I, well, he's out there. You know, if they want yeah, to bring him in, they can. If you want to give him a, a minor league deal and give him a chance to work his way on the roster, there's no harm in that. I just don't want to go into spring training even penciling him in as A or VDH. If he can earn a job, like all the more power to it. And there will be guys that they're going to take flyers on and we'll see what they bring to spring training. But now we're talking about a team that might struggle to get to 70 wins at that point, right? Like this lineup is flawed. Defensively, they've improved. And I think the real question tonight uh, as he's off on his honeymoon with his new wife is, is this now – Dansby Swanson or bust like like do the Cubs have to now go all in on Dansby or is there another option that they can do here because he is the last of the four shortstops that's available at this point absolutely it's Dansby Swanson or bust and again continuing our theme of that's not the position you want to be in but it is the position they are in it is Dansby Swanson or bust you cannot cannot have four shortstops on the free agent market at a time when that is a position you can very easily upgrade at. And that's to take nothing away from Nico. It's not so much that they need a shortstop. It's that they have second base open and they have a shortstop that you can very easily move back to second base. You cannot let this free agent market go by without getting one of those four shortstops. And they've done it so that the basically one, two, and three are off the board. It's number four or nothing at this point. And again, it's not the position you want to be in, but that's the position Jed and this front office have put themselves in. So you've made your bed and now you've got to lie in it. And that bed is made of Dansby Swanson. I, I hate that they've kind of forced themselves into this position where you feel like the need of, like you feel like you have to make this Dansby Swanson deal. I hate that that's kind of the position they're in because uh, I hate feeling like you have to make any deal. But to me, if they want to have a path to having a competitive team in 2023, a team that, you know, maybe can, you know, fluke into the playoffs or something, fluke, maybe not the right word, but like be competitive and an division, I think the only way right now is you have to get Swanson and then you have to also build around him because I don't think Dampy Swanson himself is putting you in there, but you need to get, he's right now, I think the biggest impact player left on the market. I, I think he takes you to a level where then you could build off of that and get into the conversation. Like Carlos Correa could maybe put you in the conversation with a, like a little bit of help. Where Dancy Swanson, you, you you need to add some offense. Like you're going to get 
elite defense. You're going to be a great up the middle defensive team. You with Dan Dusan on your team, you're going to get some power. He had 20, you know, 50 yeah. some out homers the last couple of years. I think he had more homers than Correa last year. He had um, 27, Jeremy, in 2021, yeah. 25 last year. So two mid 20 yeah, home so run 50, years from short. 52 yeah. homers over the last two years. He actually had a higher, more war over the last three years than Carlos Correa, which is F war, which is crazy to think about. Um, but you know, you need to fill in first base, but I, I think you have to do it. And right now I'm actually afraid that they will do it because I'm not convinced they will. Jeremy, to the point you're making, if you need to, you know, improve on like a hundred point scale in order to make this team competitive next year, and the, the sum of all of your moves kind of adds up to that hundred, you hope, Correa would have been a lot of that hundred or so on his own. And it reduces the amount that you have to fill in to kind of get to that, that break even point. Dansby Swanson does not fill in nearly as much, you know, if Correa on his own was maybe a 60 or a 70 Swanson is what a 40 or a 50. If you want to get to kind of that metaphorical hundred mark, I'm talking about, you're going to have to fill in a lot more and it is December 15th. And a lot of the best free agent targets are off the market. You've, you've waited until the last minute to do your, to do your exam and now a lot of the resources you're going to need to cite your sources and write your paragraphs are closed or unusable. And that's why you don't procrastinate, as I say to my 16-year-old self, who's probably sitting there in the past writing a paper right now. But, you know, this is, again, we keep saying it, this is the situation you've put yourself in. You're going to have to make the best of it with the pieces you have. And I don't know that any of us right now have a ton of confidence in the Cubs to do even that. Yeah, I, I, I still feel, oh, sorry. I still feel like there's this narrow path of the Cubs having a competitive team. The only problem is the air on it is a lot larger. Like if you miss on things or they don't work out, like it's, it, it, you're a lot more confident in Correa being good than you are some of these other options. And in order to get on that path, it's like you have to hit on Swanson. You have to land Swanson. Otherwise, you're not even going to get on the path. And, that, you know, that's a great way to put it. The more options you have, the larger your margin for error is and kind of the more space you have to maneuver. And as those options dwindle, your path to getting to where you want to go narrows, your margin of error narrows. And again, that is where, you know, we can come up with as many metaphors as we want, but that is the punchline. Ronan, I know you had something, you had your hand up. Well, there were two things. One was, two things. I, I should let this go and I'm going to say it anyway. You talk about 16-year-old Randall procrastinating as he's writing. I remember 14-year-old Randall writing things to the Chicago Tribune. No, I was wonder, younger. I was I was much 13? younger than that. Okay, no, well, I was, I was pre high school. Much pre high school. Uh, I just was curious if you'd procrastinated on that op ed, which folks can find a little bit of digging. Uh, the second question that I had on that is, I thought I heard Dawson there in the background. Jeremy, your dog kind of pissed off about where the Cubs are at right now and get a couple barks in there about the state of the team these days. There's actually two dogs here. Uh, there is Dawson, who is you know named after the great number eight Hall of Famer Andre Dawson. My sister's dog uh, is also being here right now. Is Tony? Unfortunately. I, I, Tony Campana, I'm going to say he's named after, not as great uh -huh. as uh, Andre Dawson. Uh -huh. I thought you were going to say uh, Rizzo, but uh, yeah. Oh, Campana. Rizzo, yes. Rizzo is much better than, 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 uh, than Tony Campana. Jeremy is tired of the Cubs and his dogs are barking. Yep, yeah. they're definitely. Well, I got a few things on Dansby that I'm thinking about, but but I want to start with this. The free agent market for shortstops, everybody, including Correa, has gotten more money or more years than any of us were expecting. Like the the whole free free agency, even Jose Abreu got more years and more money than we thought. Everything has shifted here in the last couple of weeks that's completely changed what it's like to go out and sign a star. That said, 
what does it cost to get Dansby? Like, what do you think it's going to take in terms of years and dollars to bring this guy in? Because that leads in then to whether or not it's a good idea for the Cubs. So what do you think, Randall? I do think you're going upwards of 150 pretty easily. Um, I would not, I honestly I'd peg it between 150 and 200. And I think the years are going to be, end up being seven or eight, maybe. And, you know, maybe, maybe Swanson being kind of the last man standing, maybe his market doesn't develop like he wants and he's willing to take like six years with a much higher annual value. But I do think we're going to eventually see the Dansby Swanson contract and we're going to go, wow, that's a lot of years and a lot of money for a guy who's just been good in his career and not great, you know, and that's, that's as specific of a prediction as I'm willing to make. Cause I'm very good at being wrong, but I do think we're going to see the eventual numbers and we're all going to sit here and go, wow, that's a lot for that guy. I think it's going to be over 200 million. I, I just, yeah, it's just, I just can't see. I mean, we're at this point where the market's been set. I mean, nobody thought Xander Bogarts was going to get over 200 million. He got, I, I know the Padres are crazy, but he got over that. I mean, Turner got 300 million. Correa got 350. I mean, you think, I can't, you think Swanson's going to take 200 million less than Correa or, or 130 million less than. Like I think it's I think even then and and at that point it's almost like where are the Cubs like you know if we're gonna pass on all these other options which in my opinion are fine options then why are they gonna do it for Swanson like why would Swanson be the guy when yeah. you could do it for Bogarts you could do eleven two eighty you could uh, now there's some things I actually like a little bit more about Swanson than some of these other guys I mean he's younger for one than everybody except Correa um, but it's just it's i think it's going to be a big deal i think they kind of back themselves in the, this corner where they kind of have to get it done but let me ask you guys a question about this had say the cubs started off the off season like at the beginning of the off season maybe right at the start of winter meetings or or whatever what if Dancy swanson was the first guy off the board and the cubs signed him yeah. you'd be mad they didn't go after bogarts you'd be mad that he, but you wouldn't feel like you feel today i don't think i think you'd be okay with that right like right. what if you had signed swanson and then you filled in around him and like we have this plan. This is what we're trying to do. You would feel a lot better, wouldn't you? Like that Absolutely. Like it should have been what they did, what have should and, done. And you'd feel that they're seeing things in him, whether it's the fact that he plays every day, he's really good defensively, he's got this pop, uh, and go, okay, the Cubs believe in this. This is the right thing to do, and they would have ended up saving money in it. Randall, you said it a minute ago, you know, is it going to hurt Dansby that he's the last man standing? I think it's going to be the opposite. I think it's going to help him because now you've got a team in Minnesota, you've got the Cubs, You've got, uh, I saw today, Boston is thinking about, well, we kind of like Trevor's story at second base. So maybe if we get in the mix for Dansby, now you've got three teams that are getting desperate. That drives up the cost for a guy like him. I can't imagine he's signing for less than eight years. I think it's going to be closer to 10 years and it's going to push over $200 million. I, there's there's also rumors of the Dodgers possibly getting involved, uh, the Braves maybe, who knows. But I will say, you know, Heyman's been the guy kind of pushing all of this a lot on Dansby with a lot of different teams. And, and he did have a little piece <laughs> today and it made, and you know, trust John Heyman at your will. Uh, but it did kind of seem like all the other teams that were interested are all like, well, we might, we're kind of interested. We're the only one that was really kind of linked to him were the Cubs. And I'm kind of taking some out of that where it's like the Cubs are actually in on him, but who knows? I mean, we heard things about Cubs being in on like Korea. And as you said, like they had a meeting to, I guess, detail parameters but never actually made a formal offer, which is kind of crazy. Yeah, well, the Cubs are the only team who need 
uh, Dansby Swanson. Sure. All the other teams, they have somebody that they can play at shortstop. Uh, you know, this is, again, and we keep coming back to it. This is where the Cubs have put themselves, where they need this sought-after player who's going to command a lot of money, and he also happens to be the last player at his position on the free agent market. And again, this is what the Cubs have done to themselves. And, and I know we kind of mocked this whole storyline about – you know, and Heyman seems like the guy really pushing it about like, oh, his, his correct. I do, I do mock wife. Heyman at at any opportunity. Yeah, wife plays for the 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 Red Stars, who apparently, according to Whitmire, in his article, say she only has one year left on her contract, and it's not like she didn't play in other cities before Chicago, so she could play anywhere. But I would hope, I guess, that maybe there's some sort of not, I wouldn't say discount or anything, but maybe there's something where he kind of personally favors like, okay, that's a place I can see myself seeing just because she's there. I don't know. I don't think it should affect how the Cubs value him, but uh, I don't know. Who knows? Maybe it does right. kind of lead to him thinking maybe that's the better fit for me. Now, Jeremy, hold on. Are you suggesting that this tissue thin narrative regarding the wife of a free agent that John Heyman and others have been pushing for weeks, if not months, are you suggesting that it, that you can poke a hole in it very easily because that would be completely uncharacteristic of all of these very fine reporters who have been pushing this. There are not enough hand wank motions in all the world. Well, I'm saying, I think it could be a soft factor that at the end of the day, maybe for him on his end could yeah. kind of, he might tip the scales in one direction or whatever. if there's like equal deals, or maybe I might take a little bit less, like a couple million less to go be where she is. I don't think it should affect at all the way the Chicago Cubs operate. I, I thought it was silly though too, because how much it came up in stories yeah, that his ridiculous. you know his wife his newlywed uh, wife is the soccer player and it's like the guy's gonna get over two hundred million dollars, uh, who knows how much longer I don't I I don't I really know nothing about her soccer career my interest in professional women's soccer is very very low so I don't know if she's got five years remaining in her career if she's going to be done in the next year or two I, I i'm not interested <laughs> frankly i just can't imagine that really being a big deal like i'm with you jeremy if it's like okay if it's down to the cubs and the twins they're offering the same amount of money and he's like okay i can go to minneapolis or i can go to chicago cubs wrigley field stay in the national league did you see his quotes about the cubs they were like the most like i'm not trying to throw dansby under the bus I, he seems like a nice guy he may be our starting shortstop, you know, for the next eight or 10 years, but he's like, well, you know, they had a good second half of the year and that gets the fan base to buy in, right? You have a good second half of the year, the fan base, this fan base right now is not buying in about anything that's going on with this team right now. This fan base is selling. This is fan base is yeah. not buying anything. This fan base is selling. That's fan base. Yeah. And it's going to be interesting. And we might get into this a little bit later, but, uh, Deciding to bring back the Ricketts family panel this this offseason <laughs> is an interesting decision. I saw that. I saw, I think it's Saturday, uh, the Ricketts family panel, followed by the baseball operations panel. Then they ease it in the middle of the day there. Ian Happ does a compound with some players. So that's right. going to like get everybody to calm down. Assuming Ian Happ's a Cub, right, come January. And I, no guarantee he's going to be a Cub come August at this point. So it's just really tense. Well, did you see um, who was after Ian Happ? Uh, yeah, Crane Kenny. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> I got some bad things. They're yeah. going to have to check for tomatoes at the door to that ballroom yeah. as people are walking in. Whatever the the vegetable version or fruit version, technically, of a metal detector is, they are going to need one. And although I am I'm going to say we do make a uh, a big deal every year, though we haven't had to make a big deal in almost three years about how people are going to react at Cub Convention. 
we forget that most of the people at the Cubs convention are not the people who are there to boo the owners, who are there to boo the the baseball ops department, who are there to boo the business ops department. Yeah. Those are the, the people at the Cubs convention are the people who are racing to get a front row seat for opening ceremonies, the people who are going to grab the microphone and ask Crane Kenny why there aren't more hot dog stands in the bleachers. The people at Cubs convention are not the people who are going to be asking the hard hitting questions and giving the hard hitting reactions to Tom yeah. Ricketts. And we do need to remember that there is a very specific crowd that goes to Cubs convention and makes up and breathes 99% of the oxygen there. They did boo Marquee, So maybe they'll get a little more heat than normal. You won't be booing yeah. in a few years. No, we'll be booing even more in a few years, Tom. There's a lot of people that go to that Cubs convention that, uh, are very emotional about WGN, and rightfully so. But if you're a type of Cub fan that you're a diehard, you're like everything is Cubs, that you want to go to something like the Cubs convention, yeah, you probably have nostalgic relationship with a very distinctly Chicago media institution like WGN. The one nice thing about Tom Ricketts doing another one of these panels is we're going to get gifts out of it. We're going to get memes <laughs> out of it and things that we'll be able to just play over and over the next couple of years. You got to laugh a little bit, right? Even when your team drives you crazy. You have to, otherwise your team is going yeah. to drive you crazy. And he well, will probably stick his thumb in, or, you know, stick his foot in his mouth uh, with something he says. I wasn't sure where you were going with yeah, that. So yeah, I, yeah. It railed around the brain in there a little bit, but it yeah, came you, out okay. You were hurling towards the wall, but you, you swerved, yeah. Jeremy. Good job. It was, it, was, it was touch and go for a minute. Well, I'll drop another teaser here that in a little bit, we've got some exciting Brad Boxberger talk. And I'm, I'm actually serious when I say I like the signing. He, I think he's a quality player. I like what the Cubs have done with the bullpen. Uh, but that's coming up. In the meantime, though, there's been a story developing in the last week as some of these free agents have signed as other guys have been traded to teams not on the north side of Chicago. Like, what is going on with the Cubs right now? And if you are active online, if you're doing the Twitter thing or the Reddit thing or the uh, northsidebaseball.com thing, whatever you're into to get your Cubs stories, there's a lot of resentment and animosity right now towards the president of baseball operations, Jed Hoyer. Jeremy, you're more in that stance than I am. Uh, my feeling is more this is a organizational problem that starts above Jed. I'm talking Crane Kenny and Tom Ricketts. But Jeremy, I'll, I'll kind of give you the floor here first. You're frustrated with Jed Hoyer right now. Tell me what you're thinking with regards to that and why you're pointing the blame more at him for what's happening right now with the lack of movement with the Cubs. Yeah, I am frustrated with Jed Hoyer right now. I will say, you know, I don't want to absolve uh, ownership of any issues that they do have. It's not like I'm defending Tom Ricketts here. I want to make that clear, or Crane Kenny or anything. But I do think Tom Ricketts and Crane Kenny, I do think they, I think the Cubs went into this offseason like genuinely believing they were going to be players for major players on the market. I think ownership thought that. I think that's why they were putting everything out. I don't think it necessarily was at the start to like blame, um, you know, Jet. I think they were like hype. I think, you know, they thought we're going to do some things because we have some money here. And I think they thought, you know, that's why they're bringing back the family panel. And I think the Cubs baseball operations just totally misread the entire market. I think they misread everything. I think, you know, you have labor peace now. The, the So there's not a kind of a risk of the deal for another five years. You have the luxury tax went up a lot. So teams are more willing to spend. They got a ownership's got a 30 million, you know, the end of the major league baseball advanced media, the BAM deal with Disney, it closed that finally Disney bought the final 15% of it this year. They got each, every organization got an extra $30 million. Now, not all teams put it in, 
put it back in the club, but like there's more money to spend in the market right now. And teams are more willing to spend money in the market. And I think the Cubs thought, you know, we're going to be active players here. And then they got to all these conversations and they thought, you know, all of this is kind of, and I think a lot of his baseball decisions, I think Jed is not, he's not at that point if he ever gets to that point, but he's not at the point where he's, I'm comfortable spending this much money for a variety of reasons. I think he prioritizes financial flexibility. I think he feels a lot comfortable giving one, two, three year deals, smaller deals. Um, you know, in his career, the largest deal he's ever given is Say Suzuki that includes being with the Padres, which was kind of more a rebuilding deal. But I, I just, I think like you see it with Correa, you see it. I think he just kind of sitting back. He's like, well, these, I'm not ready to commit. I don't think he kind of thinks, you know, I think he's still kind of building towards 24 and 25. I don't think he really sees that this is the team I should really put, you know, I think he's going to spend money. Like they have money to spend. I don't think he's going to sit around and not spend and not sign anybody. I think he's kind of like, I'm not going to sign Greg Maddox when I get these five players, you know, I can get Bellinger, I can get Tyone, I can get, they'll probably sign another first baseman or a third base. Like it's going to add up, but I just, it frustrates me because I don't see the urgency. And right now I kind of question like, why do we believe necessarily in Jed Hoyer? He's never shown anything kind of on his own. His most successful has just been with under Theo. And then he got handed the job and he hasn't shown. I, I believe in his ability to kind of tear it down. I, I believe in his, I think he made decent trades. I think he made good mid-level deals. I've just thought, I don't believe necessarily. I don't see the aggressiveness to go out there and actually really make a deal at the top end. And that questions whether he's the guy to bring them back to a winning competitive team for me. Yeah, Jeremy, I don't know that I necessarily agree completely with you or with Ronan on either side of this issue, but I will say so far this offseason seems like it's been a lot of miscalculation. It seems like they went in saying, okay, we're going to get our guy at our price and it's going to be great. And then the market just completely outpaced them and outstripped them. And I think Jed finds himself in a situation where he was comfortable. And this is the term we use a lot is comfort zone. I know you use this term a lot when it comes to Jed. He Jed is risk averse enough that he doesn't want to go outside his comfort zone to get the players that he wants for the Cubs. And if you're going to hold that principle, you're going to have to do a lot of work on the margins, on the trade market, and a lot of work on the, the scrap heap. And I, again, we I don't know that the Cubs necessarily are in a position where they can get where they want to go just by doing that. And so if I do agree with you on one count, it's that I don't think Jed is the guy right now when you are getting free agent contracts to go 13 years, 350 million, because I think he's risk averse enough that that's not the environment in which he thrives. And, you know, you could argue that's not the guy you want making the decisions when you're going to have to swim in the deep end of the pool to get the, to get the prize you want. I, I, I don't know if that's fair though, to Jed. Uh, the reason being we've until maybe this off season, He's never had the green light to go out and get massive contracts. Like what he did in San Diego a decade ago with a very different Padres franchise, very different economic everything in the game. I don't think that's relevant at all to what's happening. His When he took the job from the Cubs, he was tasked with slashing payroll, which meant trading multiple World Series heroes. And I see a lot of people in the last week saying, Jed Hoyer's a wuss. It took a lot to be the guy to trade Javier Baez. And he got the number one prospect for Javier Baez to trade Chris Bryant, right? I, no one would have thought it made sense to non-tender Kyle Schwarber. And this was cost-cutting that the Cubs have been doing. So I don't know if it's fair to say the Jed's all reluctant to that. I know when Theo was the man, 
Jed's role was to be that voice kind of talking him out of some big time risks. But that doesn't necessarily mean that's exactly who he is now. And I think, and I'll get to this in a moment, I think the bigger thing is, okay, is the money actually there? And how much money is actually there? Did Tom Ricketts and Crane Kenny misjudge the market and not realize that payrolls were going to be shooting up in the way that they did? And the money actually really isn't there. And the other point on that is if the money is there this year, who's to say it's there next year? That's the reason Jed got the job a year early. The money suddenly wasn't there. Theo puts $10 million on the table and quits. Says, I'm out. I'm not doing this. So if I'm Jed, yeah, I'd be a little bit worried that, okay, Crane Kenny is telling me today the money is there. Should I believe the money is there next year if we don't sell as many season tickets, if people don't tune into Marquee this year? I'd be worried about that if I were him. Now, here's my question to you. It was Is it really taking a risk to trade away Javier Baez, to trade away Chris Bryant? You knew those guys weren't re-signing here. Are you taking a risk in doing that, or are you accepting the inevitable and trying to make the best of it? Those are two different things to me versus committing 350 years to a free agent versus trading away the face of your franchise who you know is gone anyway. Those are two different kinds of actions to me. I don't know that I necessarily consider the trades risky. I, I don't know. I don't think I use the word risky for that. I said, he's not a wuss. I said, you're not a wuss. If you're the guy who has to put your name on, I am the person trading Javier Baez. Is there, is there a more beloved cub in our lifetime than Javier Baez, right? No, like, nope. I mean, Chris Bryan, Anthony Rizzo, sure. But None like, more beloved. Javi is like right up there at the top. So it's not that it didn't take a risk. It took uh, uh, cojones. Is that what I'm trying to say? Cojones. Chutzpah. And, and I think that, that there's, there, that's valid, right? Theo didn't even want to be the guy to have to do that. He said, screw it. You deal with this. But somebody had to do it. And if you gave 99% of Cubs fans who like to be the armchair GM or president of baseball operations, if you said to any of these folks, you've got to trade these guys because otherwise you're not going to be able to make payroll, they, they, they couldn't have done it. They physically could not have done it. So I don't like the whole thing. He's a wuss. I think that that's a little misguided. Well, I, I, I agree with you that, you know, it, it that's not an easy job to have, uh, to be the guy to do that. I do think uh, for a couple of reasons, he is more comfortable personally, and I, I know I'm using this comfort word, but doing that, than he is what Randall was saying, giving the big contract. I think mm -hmm. one, he knew Tom Ricketts is probably going to take most of the heat for that. Like when it's coming in to make these trades, he probably wouldn't be the guy taking the majority he took heat for it i'm not gonna say he didn't take heat for it there are a lot of people a lot of people that i completely disagreed with over the last couple of years who were saying lots of things about jed hoyer that i kind of rolled my eyes at i thought they were completely wrong and i i still think some of those deals were i i give him credit for making those deals i give him credit for trading you darvish uh you know kind of whatever i gave him credit for he made he's made a lot of good deals and hard I, deals and short deals mid-level deals kind of and and i give him credit for that I just see him as like this guy who, I don't know, like look at our GM hire. Carter Hawkins, probably a very smart dude. I believe in him. I believe kind of what they're trying to do. They're trying to develop the farm system. I believe in all that. Hired from the Cleveland Guardians. The Guardians are not a team known for going out and spending lots of money. He's kind of hired guys from these other organizations, very smart organizations, but not really known for being big market flex the muscle clubs. I just, I, I just have fear that like Jed Hoyer in this moment at right now, I just see him kind of, and I don't want to be like, kind of like, cause I believe in analytics a lot, but I see him kind of sitting there with his spreadsheet open saying like, this deal's in the red. I don't want to give this much because I don't want to give seven years. I don't want to give eight years. I don't want to give nine years. And the Cubs don't honestly look at their future payrolls. They have no, cause they preserved all this 
play payroll flexibility. They have nothing locked up. Even if you gave Correa $27 million a year for the next 13 years, I know that's a long time. But, like, they have no money locked up. They're basically just owing twice. They could fit that in on any budget because they could build any budget around that to me. Yeah. So it's like at some point you at some point you have to be the guy to take the risk. You have to sure. if you want to win. Uh, and, and there's that Andrew Freeman quote going around. If you always are reasonable on every contract, you'll finish third on every contract. You but, know, and I am afraid in this moment more so than I've ever been because – I believed in it. There was kind of this implicit understanding of like, okay, this is the off season we're going to spend there. And this, there's been this kind of, and we haven't seen it yet. And it scares me. And it, and I, and it looks to me and I've been a believer in Jed. I defended him, but I am getting to the point where I don't know if he's the right guy to build this team to the level we wanted to go. I believed in him tearing it down. I think he was good at that. I don't know if he's the guy to build it back up. Yeah. And I think you're taking Crane Kenny's bait. And the more I think about it, just before the winter meetings, remember Crane Kenny's going out on the radio and saying, yeah, Jed's got the money. He's got the freedom to go out and spend money. At the time, I thought, okay, all the signs are there. They're spending money. Ten days later, I think that was calculated with him and Tom Ricketts in that if, if he doesn't go out and do these mega deals, and I'm not certain he has the money to go out and do those mega deals, the shift blames from Tom Ricketts to Jed Hoyer. And there is no question in the last week in terms of Cubs fans that share their opinions, it has shifted 90% from 90% hating Tom Ricketts to 90% hating on Jed Hoyer. And I think that was intentional. I absolutely think that was intentional because it doesn't make sense to me. To your point, Jeremy, why Jed wouldn't do a deal like that. Like we balk right now at the thought of Carlos Correa, uh, uh, Carlos Correa making $30 million 12 years from now. But $30 million 12 years from now is not going to be the same percentage of a payroll that it is today, just as it's changed over the last couple of decades, right? Big contracts in 1990 pale in comparison to big contracts by 2000. So it changes. It's not going to be that big of a deal. Jed Hoyer knows you need superstars and all-stars to win. He knows that those players cost a lot of money. So if the money was actually there, I believe he would be spending it on these guys. I don't think it's actually there. And we've never seen a report from a reporter on what the payroll is, what the payroll is, what the budget is for this year, for next year. The money is there. We see vague things like that. Is the money there for the Cubs to go beyond the luxury tax this year? Can anybody even answer that definitively? And if the answer to that is no, you've got a lot less money to work with suddenly than the money is there. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I don't believe Crane Kenny. I don't believe Tom Ricketts. And it feels like a let's deflect the blame from the CEO to that guy. And it's worked. Now, here's my question. If you don't trust those two, do you believe David Kaplan when oh he says the wallet <laughs> is open? And answer that oh. very carefully. Uh, I, I do, I do want to bring up a, an executive from Cubs lore. I do want to bring up Jim Hendry. Oh, Jim Hendry's tenure as I know, I know, this dangerous territory. Jim Hendry's tenure as a Cub, it felt like by the time all was said and done, we praised a lot of his trades because he seemed to be great at getting impact players for kind of spare parts or lower level prospects. It feels like his free agent deals were the ones where we're kind of like, uh, okay, we can live with it, but it's not great. It's possible that different executives have kind of different skill sets like that. And the sample size on Jed is pretty small, especially sample size as the decision maker for a Cub. It's possible Jed might be one of those executives who is great at getting value out of a trade, but the free agent evaluations might leave something to be desired. And it's a shame you can't uh, platoon your GM, as it were, uh, you know, one for trades and one for free agency. 
Uh, well, I, I see well, you. I see you. you. You can do that. I guess you can't I have. That's what GMs. Carter Hawkins maybe is there for. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, and, supposedly. Uh, yeah. Not to. He's there for internal. He's there for internal stuff, and Jed is there for external stuff. So yeah, so they so they play inside out. Yeah. But you know that's. I hate that this is all being done kind of publicly. I hate that the front, the business ops and the owner are saying one thing. I hate that the, the baseball operations are saying another thing. It's just messy right now. It's messy. It's ugly. Nobody is enjoying it. And I, you know, all we can do at this point is hope that there's enough time left, enough players left and enough resources left that the Cubs can find themselves in a valuation that they can live with, get a useful player, and we can still try and build something useful for this season. And, you know, as we've been saying, the options for that are still there, but they're dwindling. Yeah, I, I think I, I with what you're saying, Randall, I think that, yeah, I do agree with you. Obviously, different people have different skill sets. So everybody, you know, Theo was kind of the big thinker, the 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 you know the kind of guy who went out there, did a lot of things. And Jen, you know, was the quiet guy, was the the analytical guy, the moderate guy, you know. So, like, I do think, you know, that was a whole point, like pairing different skills. Um, I will say, though, that, like, I still think they're going to spend money this offseason because I still think they have money to spend and they're going to sign some free agents. I don't know if they'll hopefully they'll sign Swanson. I'm skeptical of that now. But, uh, I, you know, if you're just looking at the budget right now, like Bellinger and Tyone themselves are going to cost 37 million next year i believe uh, 34 million i mean that's less than correa is going to cost for next year's budget and i know we're going to talk about future budgets but they don't have anything in future budgets it's, it would just be that so that that's money they could have spent there um and right now they're only spending as of today the line what does they have to, it's only five million more than what they spent two years ago which is what they were tearing everything down and so it's not like they've jumped a lot so you have to think with these extra cash coming in with a lot of things, you know, COVID's over the pandemic two years ago, they had to do a whole season with no money, nothing coming in for biblical losses. Exactly. And I do believe there were losses a lot. I don't think it's biblical. I don't think it's epic, I, but I do believe there were issues that led to, you know, maybe, maybe couch whoever being non-tendered was because of some monetary issues at the time. I believe, I believe in that. Um, but I don't know. I just think to me, I just see, a, I just see the Cubs not in a, in a spot where they're willing to take risks and it just kind of feeds this kind of, you know, narrative that's going on. And, and yes, it is a narrative, but there's some truth to it. I, I do think, I don't think Jed should be absolved of everything. I don't think you could just say, you know, I think there are, you know, I think he is a little risk averse as Randall said, I think he has to be kind of pushed to a spot where he's going to make this deal and maybe backing it, realizing that he let all the shortstops is pushing him to the spot where he feels like he has to make this deal with Swanson, which to me is not the best position to be in, but maybe that, that gets it done. I will also say that I don't, I mean, I know you're, you're anti Crane Kenny, but then you're also taking what Crane Kenny says, you know, you're, 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 you're kind of believing like that he's some sort of mastermind doing all this. No, I just, I, I just think that's the lot. If you're Tom Ricketts and you're feeling hate from Cubs fans, right? And you're making all of this money and you go out publicly and you say that you're not making all of this money, right? What do you do to take the pressure off of you? You go publicly, you put your, Crank Kenny is the least most reliable person in the Cubs front <laughs> office. There is nobody that Cubs fans in the front office should hate more 
than Crane can. He's a total jackass. And he's Tom Ricketts' right-hand man, which says everything you need to know about the guy. And don't absolve him. That nonsense in 2008 during the playoffs where he's know water or holy water in the dugout. The guy is a complete and total jackass. And he represents the side of the business that I'm not particularly interested in, right? I care more about what baseball ops are doing and what they're trying to win. I just, I, I agree with so much of what you're saying, Jeremy, which brings me back to, that's why I don't believe the money is there. And the certainty that the money will be there moving forward is there. I don't believe that because if it was, Jed would go out and sign some of these deals, I think. Yeah, he's not perfect. And it's going to become a lot more clear over the next couple of weeks and the next couple of years. But I think too many Cubs fans right now are taking the bait and have shifted their anger from ownership to the baseball operations department, despite the fact that still nobody can say what actually is the budget. Like if the Cubs don't have the green light to go into the luxury tax, is the money really there? No. I mean, there's still 50 million away from the luxury tax. Right, so. right. But, but that's not the same thing. And I think that that clarity leads me to believe that that money isn't there for Jet because it makes too much sense otherwise. I, I, Jeremy, I don't know. Jeremy, do you think we can get that made as a T-shirt? I absolve Crane Kenny of nothing. Yeah, uh, I, I feel like we'd. Yeah. I feel, we should I feel sell like merch, Randall. It. We should. We'll put the logo on the on the shoulder. Ronan, yeah. you were making a point earlier that thirty million now is not going to be valued. It's not going to be the same percentage of a payroll yeah. that thirty million will be in ten years. And you make an excellent point. It wasn't all that long ago that one hundred million was kind of the high water mark as the major league payroll. That was your your huge number. That's what the Yankees were pushing. That's what the Dodgers were pushing. Now it's double that. If you don't have a payroll of close to two hundred million, you're not playing with the big boys. You're not swimming in the deep end of the pool. The, the the relative values are going to continue going up. And if the Cubs want to spend and act like a big market team, they are going to have to pay. They are going to have to expand in that fashion. Numbers change, valuations change. And if you want to spend like a big market franchise, you're going to have to go along with that. Yeah. The one thing I will say overall, I think on the actual, um, you know, on the actual issue, whether regardless of whose blame it is, I think we're all kind of in agreement on the actual problems of what they need to be out there spending. And yeah. it's kind of a, a, a kind of this has been a huge wasted offseason so far. I mean, Bellinger is nice. Tyone's nice. Boxberg is nice. But like you thought those were part of a plan to get to a, a spot. And, and they don't necessarily make the most sense without that plan. Um, I will say, though, for and on Tom's be, not on his behalf necessarily, because I blame him a lot for what happened in 2019 and 2020. Yeah. I also blame some things with Theo and Jed there, too. But like they should have gone out and gotten Bryce Harper. They should have gone out and gotten, yep. you know, spent and doubled down. Daniel Descalso should not be your 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 big money. That was the time to really spend, and then they tore it yeah. down, uh-huh. and there was a lot of issues. So on that, I am 100% ag- agreement. But I will say the guy did come in. He did fire Jim Hendry, who wrote it, mentioned. He brought in Theo. He spent a lot of money on, the, on, on, on Wrigley and upgrading a lot of things. And this period of Cubs history, the, part of the reason why we're so mad right now is because we had this high that we all believed in because and in that period of Cubs history is maybe the best period of Cubs history the last 80 years. Who knows? Yeah, you're right. So we believed in all that, Tom. And I, I so there was always this belief that like maybe they're going to when the money's open, they're going to spend again. Like we, I don't believe Tom Ricketts wants a half empty Wrigley Field with no nobody to watch on marquee. I just can't believe that. I think he really just, you know, I, and I don't think Tom Ricketts is a baseball person. I think he legitimately sets a budget 
and says, leaves it to the the ownership or excuse me, the front office. You figure it out how we're going to win. And yeah. I think sometimes the budget has been, you're right, has been high and sometimes it's been low. I generally believe, I like if they were going to sign Carlos Correa, I think Tom Ricketts would be the first person out there like leading him down the parade. I think he'd be fine with that. So I, I just, I, I guess you're right. The question comes down to what is the budget? And for me, it doesn't make sense for them not to have the money to spend right now. That doesn't make sense to me. I, I just see a risk-averse person. I think he just, I think right now Jed is too concerned with finding the best value deals instead of making like the best move to improve the team long term. That that's just how way I see it. Jed is responsible for cooking Christmas dinner. He has the money to spend on the premium ingredients, but he keeps going for the store brand and the store brand just isn't going to cut it. Jed, go to Whole Foods, spend money on the high-end organic stuff. You can afford it. Jeremy, you made the point that we, we were shown the promised land. We were allowed into Shangri-La. And then as soon as it started, we were cast back out into the cold, dark earth. And all we want is to be let back into the promised land, to the golden city. And so far, this this front office has not done the things necessary to allow us back in there. Yeah, I, and I, I, I want the Cubs to spend the boatloads of money that they make. And they make a ton of money, and they will make more money by winning, right? More people will tune into Marquee. Premium tickets will continue to go up. Tickets went down. Ticket prices for season ticket holders from last year to next season at Wrigley Field have gone down for the first time since like 1990, right? Yes, you win. That's how it's going to work out. And I'm just appalled that we're having this, right? Yeah. It, it annoys me. This week, we should have been talking about what's this lineup going to look like with Carlos Cray and maybe Carlos Rodon at the top of the starting rotation. What does that do to the rest of it? Instead, you've got Cubs fans turning on Cubs fans. You've got a whole boatload of people that want Jed Hoyer fired or at least put on a probation type thing here. Your job's on the line. And everything positive after going out and getting Bellinger and Tyone, it's just evaporated in a week. And, and boy, that's a crappy feeling on December 15th. Can all sum it up in nine words: human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria. Great Cubs fan, uh, Bill Murray. Apparently I, not a great like, person, though. <laughs> who knows? There was a. Um, I will say there was like this <laughs> one moment, you know, on I don't know if it was the first day of the winter meetings. It felt like there was this one hour where all these hot and heavy Cubs rumors were coming pretty fast, and it yeah. felt really good to be a Cubs fan. And I want that hour to come back. You know, you got you have you know all these tweets about maybe the Cubs are signing two shortstops. Two shortstops, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you are in on Sean Murphy. You have Kaplan coming out and being like, the Cubs are here to spend, and like all this stuff. And it just felt a really good moment yeah. in that, and I want that to come back. Like that was the feeling I'm hoping to happen. And 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 I know there's a lot of people that are down on what the Cubs are doing. I still think there's a path out there to be competitive. So if the Cubs do sign Dansby Sponson, I, I'm still going to have some of my thoughts, but I will be very happy as a fan yeah. to have somebody to cheer for who put up a six-win season last year. I know we don't think that's him going forward, but like he's been a very good player at points in his career. Yeah. And this is something that I bring up quite a bit. It is, it is a process. There's a start and there's a finish. If 
we choose, we choose to ride this roller coaster. We choose to read the reports every five minutes. This person says this, that person says that some arson was set. Uh, there's a mutant option. We choose to ride this roller coaster. I think if, if we were to just see the end result, if there were no public aspect to this process, it would be a lot different. And I know Ronan, you're a big fan of this roller coaster. Jeremy, you're a big fan of reading the tweets, the sources, the reports, all of that. I think it would be very different if we were just eventually shown the kind of the, the final menu, uh, the, 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 the meal and not how it's prepared. And so part of it, we kind of do this to ourselves. Jeremy, you mentioned that hour where the rumors were flying past each other um, in, you know, in midair, the tweets were in midair. We choose to ride this roller coaster and that makes the process very, very different and more stressful and in a lot of ways, less pleasant for us. You know, how different would it be? Would it be better if, you know, the off season were conducted in complete silence and darkness and we just see what the roster looks like every February? I, I, I still, you know, felt bad when, Carlos Correa, you know, no matter what, I think I still would have been pissed if Carlos Correa wasn't a Cub had I not known about whether or not they'd be in on him and all the rumors. Uh, so, like, I don't know. I, I think I still would not feel good about, yeah. you know, the Cubs roster if it was just presented to me. I'd be like, that. I guess I would have, you know, a couple months of just nothing in between. But you got to enjoy the ride, Randall. The yes. whole part is the ride. It's the ride. I'm not saying I don't enjoy the ride. There's parts of the ride I don't enjoy. You know, I've said it. I like I like those environments. I like those nights during the winter meeting where it feels like the whole thing could explode, that somebody's got a match and that they're about to drop on a cartoonishly large pile of Wiley Coyote grade Acme TNT. I, I'm not saying I don't like those. I've said I like those those moments, but I'm just saying it. how different would it be? And would it potentially be better if we weren't riding the roller coaster? If it were a straight no. shot from point A to point B and we could just kind of process everything uh, at the end result, at the end of the ride, instead well, of going through every dip and every bend from point A to travel. point B. Randall wants quick travel from yeah. the end of the Hey, quick travel is very helpful. If I want to get from the north part of the map to the <laughs> south part of the map, I want to. there's nothing yeah. wrong with quick travel. Play the ocarina song, fly to the volcano. There's nothing wrong with a little bit of quick travel. Well, I, you know, I agree with your broader point, Randall, that it's premature right now to declare anything completely definitively about this offseason because we don't yes. know what roster yet is showing up to Mesa. Uh, it's not premature to be disappointed, though. And it's no. not premature to be saying, I don't see the vision here, right? Wilson Contreras gone. You need a catcher. Like four catchers have gone other places. All guys that theoretically would be a good fit. You've done none of them. So what are you doing here with catcher? And what's this going to look like? But yeah, we got to wait until spring training gets here. You can still trade guys, although that chips away at your minor league depth. Uh, also, you can counter that a little bit by taking on money and maybe not have to give up a younger player. But in terms of free agency, a lot of the big names are gone at this point. And there is a desperate feeling in the fan base right now that if Dansby goes to Boston or goes to Minnesota, this offseason could be a complete disaster. And I, I'm worried. I'm worried about what team is showing up in Mesa here in, what, one and a half, two months from now. You are playing musical chairs, and you have not lost the game yet, but the number of chairs remaining are dwindling, and it feels like the music could stop at any time, and the Cubs could be caught completely on the far end of the circle and left left standing you know, without a chair. Well, for right. your sake, Randall, let's hope that three doors down playing in the musical chairs. Three chairs, three chairs down. We'll rename them for the game. Three chairs down. Yeah, I, I 100% agree with you, Randall. Uh, you don't want to be the one at 2 a.m. looking for a date to go home uh, at the bar. You know, you want to get a little bit better than that. But, uh, you know, they just got to get Grace that. begs to differ. 
Well, <laughs> you know, everyone's wanting to need a slump buster, but uh, maybe Jed needs a slump buster uh, for this offseason. Maybe Dansby Swanson could be that slump buster. Just get, or, you know what? Maybe it's not Dansby Swanson. Maybe maybe you sign like a Justin Turner or something, and you could get back to Mojo to move into Dansby Swanson. So who knows? But uh, I, there are still some options there for, you know, you know, I, I get some offense into this lineup. Like Turner's a guy I mentioned, maybe a Brandon Drury, a, a JD Martinez could play DH. He can hit, even though they're getting older. They're but these are coming back to kind of these mid-level deals, short-term deals that okay, they're fine for now, but there's a lot of air on them because you're banking on guys 36, 37 years old to maintain and kind of bounce back a little bit as well. So, but it all the key is getting a, a, an elite player. A relatively elite player like Danzy Swanson, a guy who's been in the, um, an all-star in the midst of his career and, and uh, or play, at least an all-star level player. And, uh, you know, and I think we're going to need that at some point. Let, let's just never mention Justin Turner and slump buster in the same sentence again. Uh, just, well, just, for, a, just a cloud of ginger. He's on a just, drought right now. Just a cloud of ginger dander everywhere like pig pen, but, but 10 times worse. You know, I've been thinking a lot about Jose Nieves. The last 24 or 48 hours. Cubs need a shortstop. I'm thinking, okay, Cubs shortstops over the years. Uh, got to Ryan Terrio and said, hell no, absolutely not. But then I got to thinking about Jose Nieves, who made his debut back in 1998. wonder what he's up to these days. Yeah, I don't know what Jose Nieves is up to. But uh, a guy who I believe was, might have been an opening day starter at one point. So uh, I think in like 2000. That was a bad team. Yeah. Bad team under Donnie Boy, uh, yeah. Don Baylor there, the 2000 Cubs before some fun in 2001. Um, you know, I want to talk Brad Boxberger. Right? Yeah. we got to get to <laughs> Got to open that box of burgers. In a minute. Uh, open that box of burgers. Uh, let's end with this, the, the discussion we had right there, because it really comes down to Dansby. Uh, here we are, December 15. Jeremy, is Dansby Swanson the Cubs opening day shortstop? I'm going to be hopeful. And I'm going to go, yes, but I'm a lot less confident than I was like a week ago. I thought, you know, we're landing one of these guys and Danzy might be the most likely, but I'm going to say I'm 55% there that Danzy's response is going to be the shortstop. That's greater than 50%. So I'll say yes. I am with Jeremy. I will say yes, but I'm also less confident than I was. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I make it happen. Let's see what goes on here. Um, I like Nico Horner. I think if all of this falls through, man, he's got a lot of people that he's going to be like, oh, you think the Cubs needed a shortstop? Let me show you what I can do coming off of a career year last year. But, uh, yeah, let's uh, let's be optimistic tonight. Dansby's a Cub come opening day next season, and uh, maybe that kick starts the rest of this off. Yeah, and, uh, you know, Nico is a great player, so I'm for him too. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Nico is a uh, very fun player, and let, let's not lose that in all of this, but how great would it be if he's the everyday second baseman with a strong defensive guy off to his right, and that middle infield defense, that we've, you've talked about it a lot, Jeremy, the last couple of weeks, how important that is. If anybody plays OTP, that's the key, your catcher ability and your up-the-middle infield defense, that's how you build a good team. Maybe that's the route the Cubs go. Uh, but the Cubs did address the bullpen today. We're waiting all night to get to this, almost an hour at this point. Brad Boxberger is a Cub. He's going to be 35 next year, a one-year, $2 million deal. There's a mutual option for 2024. If that doesn't work out, it becomes a $2.8 million deal with an $800,000 buyout there. Uh, this guy has been around the league for a very long time. Like I said, he's 35 years old. He's closed in the past. 
but I love everything about this. One year, two million. Cubs have done a very effective job bringing guys in, especially in the bullpen, and making it work. This guy's going to be very good for the Cubs next year, and I'm happy with the move today. Sure, there's nothing to dislike about this. He's been a very effective reliever. He has closing experience. You know, this feels like uh, your your David Robertson of this year, where if you're competitive, he's got he's experienced and he's at the back end of the bullpen for you. And if you're not competitive, hopefully he pitches well and you're able to ship him out for something useful at the deadline. I will say my best Brad Boxberger, got to be careful there, Bad Broxberger, Brad Boxberger. My best Brad Boxberger memory is uh, Bodie and Rizzo going back to back off mm. of him in July of 2018 when he was with Arizona uh, to win the game. I always remember the Deshaies call. He tells Rizzo, go ahead. And Rizzo does, in fact, go ahead. Hopefully we don't see a whole lot of him doing that as a Cub. And, you know, maybe it's not great when you're your marquee relief signing so far your best memory of him is your team walking him off but he he has been a very effective reliever he was very effective last year for milwaukee and you can never have too many guys with a history of being effective in the bullpen because invariably some of them will falter and the more guys you have down there the better your chances of being able to survive that are interesting signing i agree uh he mostly you know he was kind of he mostly got by on contact a lot which we've seen a lot from uh, these Cubs teams with their pitchers. He wasn't really quite the sh- strikeout guy. The one thing I thought was interesting was he kind of had reverse splits. You know, mm. he was better against lefties than righties, which is kind of an interesting fit for this Cubs team because right now, if you're looking at the bullpen, I'm not sure you have Brandon Hughes, I guess. And then I don't know if you have a second lefty in there who you, somebody you can count on. Yeah. I mean, Brandon Little, who knows? You, you can't count on him. Who knows who's going to be in that bullpen as a left-handed pitcher besides Hughes and so and that's just counting on Hughes who came up mid-season last year so I think there's kind of a spot there maybe uh, a guy like him with reverse spits could come into a situation where you have a couple lefty or a lefty an important lefty coming up so I could see that kind of being the fit for Brad Boxburn there's bullpen at least as it is constructed right now Mm -hmm. that's a great point Jeremy Uh, someone who can get out the lefties and Randall your point too that he's closed 41 saves in 2015, a league-leading 41 saves for the Tampa Bay Rays had 30-something a couple of years after that. Uh, this is a guy who very well might lead the Cubs in saves next year. That's uh, hardly a lockdown position at this point in time. Uh, again, this would feel a lot better if this was, oh, wow, the Cubs addressed the bullpen after going out and getting Carlos Correa or Carlos Rodon, something like that. Today, it's like, okay, great, but, you know, there's bigger holes to fill. So you you don't want to lose sight of it. This is a good signing the Cubs made. It absolutely makes the roster better for next year, and you get the contingency if next year's awful. He plays well. You trade him, you get something back for it, like the Cubs got uh, this past year, moving Robertson to Philadelphia, getting a great player back for it. But it it just feels deflating because everything else feels deflating right now, and that's sort of unfair to Boxberger. Yeah, it is unfair to Boxberger. Like you said, if this was a move that was coming on the heel of one bigger move or two bigger moves, we'd say, hey, this is a great complimentary move. But as it is, this is the main course we've been served. Continuing with the uh, the food analogies, this is the I'm main hungry. course we've been, yeah, this is the main course we've been served so far, and it's just not enough. And you hope the Cubs are going to feed us a little more down the line so that we're not saying all we got from the offseason was a, a box of burgers. But like you said, that's not fair to Boxberger. He's a fine player. They got him at a very reasonable price. It, it, you just need to do more than that. And he has no control over that. So maybe you're like, like you said, that's not fair to him, but that's where we're at as fans in this offseason right now. 
Yeah, and, and you know, you get a lot of the kind of snarky tweet or snarky response to when the Cubs sign a guy like a Brad Boxberger after all the hype where Correa or whatever in the miss. So it is that is a little unfair to a, a guy like that. But he's been around for a long time. Um, you know, he's a successful pitcher in Milwaukee last year who's had some successful bullpen. So I'm I'm hopeful. Yeah, as you said, he's cheap. So honestly, there's nothing to this deal, even if it doesn't work out, like they should be able to move on from him pretty easily, even mid season, let's say, or if <clears throat> who knows if he stinks it up in spring training, you easily move on from this Brad Boxberger, but there's a hope and a thought there that he can be a successful part of this bullpen. And, you know, in my opinion, you're every always trying to move or excuse me, improve the team. Every, every move you make, you should always be looking to improve the team. You shouldn't like poo poo anything. Shouldn't overlook anything because Everything makes you better. You get you in a better position, more closer to being competitive. So, yeah, I like the addition. I like adding to the bullpen. I like making it better. We talked about Dansby. We've talked about a lot of different positions. Uh, so, Dansby aside here, Jeremy, if there is one player right now, either a free agent or a trade target, that's realistic that you think the Cubs should acquire and prioritize, uh, who's kind of next in line for you beyond shortstop? Like, who's a player right now that you're saying, let's got this guy in here. It's going to make the team better for next year. Yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of – I've been kind of of two minds of this. And I, I think right now, I'm leaning to the guy I mentioned a little bit earlier. I think I think Justin Turner at third base would be a good option. I mean, he still can hit. He's getting older. He's, he's probably not – he's not going to be an elite player like he was. His defense might not quite be where it was. You could probably move him over to first base a little bit too with the first base hole. Um, he's going to have his friend Cody Bellinger in center field. And I think that that's a good – kind of bringing in more offense. Like the one thing Jed said is he wants to blow people out and Jed and Justin Turner still hit last year. So I think there's a couple guys out there that can still have a little bit of bat. They're a little riskier because they're older. It's going to be short-term deals, but I, I, especially if you're bringing in Swanson, I think you need to get some bat. And I think Justin Turner on the left side would look pretty good. Yeah. I've said some things about Justin Turner in the past. I don't regret any of them. I don't take any of them back. I was correct on all of them, but continuing our continuing theme, your options are dwindling. And right now, Justin Turner is one of those options. And again, I, I think it would reflect poorly on the Cubs. If you are able to make him the, a, a good financial offer, if you, um, but he ends up not picking the Cubs anyway, there's, I know talk, we talk about sources that the Marlins would be interested in him. That would reflect very poorly on the Cubs. If this guy is kind of a, like a mid-tier free agent and you can't, uh, you get beat out by the Marlins for him. And again, this is a, this is an occasion where you need to go out and get the player. You need to not let yourself be outbid or outsold by the Miami Marlins. And again, I don't know that I wanted Justin Turner. He is declining, but the options are dwindling. And so I'm willing to take that flyer. Any other player, Randall, that's top of mind for you? You know, Michael Conforto, he sat mm -hmm. out the 2022 season recovering from shoulder surgery. I think that would be a good fit. He's a guy who's gotten on base for his career, career 300, 356 on base percentage. He's slugged for his career, career 468 slugging with multiple seasons of 20 or more home runs. I think the problem there is you might have to sell him on kind of a rotational role where he's either DHing or playing one of the three outfield spots, depending on who you want in the lineup. And as a guy who's coming off injury, he may want more of an opportunity to prove it. So-called pillow contract. He may want more of an opportunity to play one position every day and prove himself worthy of everyday player money. So you would really have to sell him on kind of that role. But as far as the offense, I think that would another, I think that's kind of another 
low tier, below the radar option for hopefully adding some pop, hopefully adding some punch to this offense. So I think Michael Conforto would be a reasonable, a reasonable risk uh, for this offense. Yeah. The one thing I would say is that the Cubs obviously have a hole at first base and DH. So they have a lot, even if you want to add an outfielder or whatever, they have like a lot of places they could put guys because they have these whole, an extra spot in DH and a hole at first base where, you know, you could probably, they should be prioritizing a bat right now because they need to fill those holes. So if Conforto fits, like you could see him as Randall said, you know, at some days in the line and, you know, in the outfield, especially with the shoulder, maybe gets a little bit of time to rest as a DH or first base, a little easier on the shoulder. So yeah, I think Conforto could fit definitely. One guy I was thinking about is, well, you look at, Toronto and you go okay they've got sort of a backlog of catchers right now Cubs need a catcher uh does a guy like Danny Jansen appeal to either of you he's got power a 15 home run guy last year is that something that you look at and go well maybe via trade is a way that the Cubs can upgrade now behind the backstop you know that would be appealing to me my thing there that would be a place where I would be okay with Jed saying there's a price and we're not going to go over it if you're going to use prospect currency I would much rather it be on a controllable um, you know, number two starting pitcher more so than catcher. So that would be actually one place where I'm comfortable with Jed saying, look, here's the price we'll pay prospect wise. And I'm not going to go over that. You only have so much prospect currency. You don't want to exhaust some of that because you're counting on some of these guys to come up and produce. Um, so that would be one place where I'm co- Jed comfortable with Jed saying, look, I'm not going to trade this guy, but if you can do it for a reasonable trade, uh, again, that upgrades your catching position that makes the whole team better. I'm good with that. I think Danny Jansen would be a good fit, but don't overpay for him in trade. I like Danny Jansen. I think he's a fun player. I think he, yeah, you could fit on the Cubs. I am a little, you know, his, his defense isn't considered as great, which seems to be what the Cubs are kind of you know, focusing on, because otherwise, why are you letting Wilson go necessarily? So, so that I'm a little skeptical of, but for me, yeah, if you're going to move pieces, you're getting, you're probably getting long-term assets back in return. And Jansen has another couple of years uh, left of control. So I wouldn't necessarily be opposed at all to Danny Jansen being on the Cubs. I mean, they, I think at some point they will acquire uh, a catcher. And as I said before, they have these holes at first base at DH. So these are other spots where you can fit a guy like Danny Jansen in on days where he's not catching. And Jeremy, I know how much you love the local guys. Danny Jansen, born in scenic Elmhurst, Illinois, down there at the uh, the southern tip of the airport. So I know how much you love the local guys. I know how much you love seeing that IL next to a, a guy's born place uh, with a with a nearby town. He checks that box for you. It's that's true. He was born in Elmhurst, but I have to report that he's sadly a a stinking badger from. Uh... Yeah, so he uh, was Northern. drafted, of course, out of a yeah. high school in Appleton, Wisconsin. But you know what? That ruins my narrative. He was born in Elmhurst. He was That's born in Elmhurst, but he grew up in Wisconsin, unfortunately. Doesn't count. Matters where he was born. <laughs> no, it's all, well, yeah. You know, it's been kind of a frustrating time here. Randall, give me something good on the Cubs here. Can we, let's, can we end on a high note? Anything Cubs, Cub fandom? You know, uh, I, I, Cubs convention does very, very little for me. I've never gone. I've only ever even been near it once. But, you know, I guess you can say that we are at the moment at a point societally and uh, public health wise where Cubs convention is back. Um, you know, things fluctuate, things can change. But I guess it's good to say that we are at a point where the risk level is acceptable and it's more or less safe to kind of congregate in a a packed convention hall, watching Cubs players come out on the stage. Um, So, you know, that's maybe not what you were asking for. That's maybe damning through faint praise, but that's what I got for you right now. I will say that Cubs convention this year, the first day of Cubs convention falls on a pretty big day. 
Oh, dude. Yes, uh, it does. It's a it's a huge day. Uh, it's a birthday of one of our members here. So uh, anybody going to Cubs convention, make sure you, you throw a little extra for our man Randall Sanders on his uh, joyous occasion. Yeah, Cubs, Cubs upstaging my birthday. And you know what? The, it usually falls near my birthday. Uh, Cubs convention always on the, the second or Friday or whatever in January. And uh, yeah, Cubs convention usually falls near my birthday. It would be really nice if the Cubs could give me a nice birthday present or I'd settle for a nice Hanukkah present. Hanukkah comes first and there's eight nights. So you got lots of opportunity. I would settle for a nice present from the Cubs this year. Well, I want to tip a cap to a former Cub who got a new contract here. Frank Schwindel is going overseas. He gets a deal to go and play in Japan. Good for him. I I sincerely mean that. I hope he goes over there. hope he does a wonderful job. I hope he uh, is a fan favorite, right? It seems that they embrace some American players and Japanese fans don't like when American players uh, start to set records or they come in on certain records. That's something that is not always well-received overseas, but I'm pulling for Big Frank and good for him. Uh, Randall, going to Japan, how fun. Yeah, you know, he obviously didn't have a whole lot of offers stateside. I think he was playing in the the Mexican League, perhaps, this winter. Uh, Good for Frank. I'm sure it'll be a fun experience for him. We've seen occasions where players who were marginal in MLB go overseas and they find success, and I hope Big Frank does find success. One thing I want to seg into here on the topic of success, or maybe the opposite, the lack thereof, uh, Luis Devers was named the 2022 Cubs minor league pitcher of the year. He posted this uh, picture of a plaque, which I'm guessing is at the Cubs uh, Mesa complex or whatever. The Cubs pitcher of the year going back to 2004. The names on this list are not pretty. They are not pretty at all. I'm going to throw some names at you. Parents, cover your children's ears. We've got names like Riniel Pinto, Sean Gallagher, Kevin Hart, Mitch Atkins, Casey Coleman, Chris Archer's had a pretty decent career, but not for the Cubs. Nick Struck, Jen Ho Sang, Ryan Williams, Trevor Clifton. It, 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 it's ugly. It, it's sad. It's unfortunate to look at because so few of these pitchers ever positively impacted the Major League Cubs for any extended period of time. Now, DJ Hers won it last year. Luis Devers won it this year. I'm hoping that's the, the, the start of a new trend. Part of the reason the Cubs are in the spot they're in is because they haven't been able to develop pitching for the last however long you want to call it. Could be going on two two decades at this point. Uh, do, do a better job developing your pitchers, Jed and Carter and um, Craig Breslow. I'm asking you, I want to see some names on this pitcher of the year plaque going forward that don't make me cry or cringe or say, oh, God, <laughs> that guy. That's the specific reason uh, Carter Hawkins was brought in please, to handle the scouting and, and the development of uh, especially pitchers. Um, but uh, yeah, not great. I will say, you know, the pitcher of the year award is not necessarily an award that, you know, goes to your best uh, prospect. Right. Say, as a, it's just, and that's fair. That's fair. It's a, it's, it's a very narrow kind of keyhole image of the, uh, the, the pitching infrastructure. That's very fair. Right. It's just kind of the guy who had the best year, which is often guys who are maybe too advanced for a level or, or whatever, or kind of in a certain situation better. So uh, that, you know, if you have great prospects, they'll usually they will dominate and they will show up on those lists, but I'm just going to point it out that it's not like a best prospect award. No, that that's, a, that's very fair context. And I agree. And as for Frank going over to Japan, uh, I will always have that kind of end of, 
of 2021 last like two months where it just seemed like the guy was unconscious. You're like, who the hell is this 29 year old dude that just like showed up and yeah. is just hitting the ball like 14 home runs or whatever and ended up with more war, I think, that year than Anthony Rizzo had for the full season. And we'll it was always, on the Cubs. We'll always have the yes. Frank the Tank World Tour 2021. Yeah, I'll never but... forget, Jeremy, you were here in Denver, uh, one of his uh, very start of his stint there after all the guys were traded. And we, we were looking at that Cubs lineup going, oh, my God, who, what, like, who are these guys? Uh, just a week ago, Chris Bryant, uh, less than that, like three days ago, Chris Bryant was on this roster. It's a very different team. Uh, and uh, we gave Big Frank a, uh, yeah. a big applause there in Denver those first couple of games. But I'm, I'm happy he got a deal. Uh, how do you pronounce that uh, town? The Buffalo's uh, there the i believe it's the oryx buffaloes oryx. yes okay. the oryx buffaloes oryx buffaloes actually a fusion of two former N- npb teams they were formed from the fusion of the oryx blue wave and the osaka kintetsu buffaloes and they uh, they merged in uh, the recent past 2005 um and they actually have a little bit of history the oryx blue wave was ichiro's franchise mm. so frank is going to a franchise that certainly has some history to its name and uh, again i wish him all the best i'm sure it'll be a great experience my my biggest fear would be just not knowing the language but um you know i'm sure that the team is providing frank and his family with a translator and uh, people to help them acclimate and all that so I, I hope he has a great time and i hope he, it's a great experience for him it's like we're sending him off to day camp have a have a good summer have yeah. a good uh, have a good season in japan frank well one other former pitcher we're talking about former pitchers here that i wanted to mention today how about pierce johnson getting a one-year five million dollar contract today from your denver colorado rockies if that name rings a bell for you pierce johnson cubs 43rd overall pick all the way back in 2012 at a long time in the farm system for the Cubs. He pitched one inning as a Chicago Cub, bounced around the National League a little bit. It was with the Padres last year. Five mil for Pierce Johnson to come to Denver and pitch for the Rockies. So I saw that across the wire today. I said, ah, it'll be nice for me. There'll be some night next spring or next summer out of Coors Field. Be having a beer and I'll uh, raise the glass there to Pierce Johnson, the uh, Rockies fireballer there in the bullpen now. One year's five million. Good for him. Good for Pierce Johnson. Yeah. Second pick of the Theo regime after Al Mora. Yeah. That, isn't that wild? And uh, was in the system for a long time. <sighs> 2017, one inning, one walk, two strikeouts, uh, two unearned runs on two hits. That's Pierce Johnson as a Cub. Pitched for the Giants and then the Padres since 2020. So, yeah, some guys, it takes a decade to figure it out and get up to the show. But he's there and now a big payday from the Rockies. Definitely. It's, I, I feel like he was a local guy, too. I think he's from Colorado. He is. Actually, that's the only thing that's neat. He's from uh, Aurora, I believe. And, boy, the Rockies kind of corner the market on guys that have grown up in the area here. Of course, Kyle Freeland, one of the star starting pitchers for them. Uh, so uh, maybe we'll see a game next year where Freeland goes eight, Johnson closes it out, and it's all the Denver kids shutting out a team at Coors Field. That'd be, that'd be pretty cool to see. The, the all-Colorado pitching box score. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, again, I'm just not happy with where we're at right now, uh, how different things have felt uh, really from the moment Bellinger comes in and you're going, okay, they're doing it. They're spending money. They're going out and getting guys. It's been rough since then and uh, very shaky waters here moving forward. So I would caution Cubs fans, be careful of what you hear from guys like Crane Kenny and Tom Ricketts. Uh, Jeremy would say, come on, Jed, 
do something, take a risk here, go out, put something on the lines, win some ball games next year. A uh, bottom line, please go sign somebody, make a trade here. Let's make this roster better starting tomorrow. Right Let's now, who's ever responsible? Just go do it. Just yeah. go do it. Just press the button, pull it. the levers. That's all you have to do. Well, we will be back here. Uh, maybe we get one in uh, over the next week or so. If the Cubs do anything significant, we will pop in and knock out a show. I am back to Chicago tomorrow. Looking forward to that. It'll be good to see both of you guys in person. little uh, BTYL out at the Landmark. Or uh, maybe this is the time we get to Coombs Corner there. Oh, yeah. And see what Ron Coomer and the folks are up to. Uh, but it'll be good to see you guys talk to us in person. But we'll sneak a show in, especially if the Cubs go out and do something. And let's just hope there's something before the new year here that's worth celebrating for the Cubs because it's been a rough stretch. Wrap it up, Randall. Play the song. See you next time.